0: Hello friends, this is your host Prashant Daniel and welcome to Ratio Vero, a podcast where we examine and analyze cultural and worldview issues from a Judeo-Christian perspective, more specifically through the lens of theology and apologetics. We are continuing today on our series on reasons why the Christian Church is apathetic to the Great Commission. Now, let me just uh, recap uh, some of the sessions we have been doing over the last few weeks. We talked about the fact that God uses people, not programs. That since the beginning of time, from Genesis to Revelations, it was God's sovereign will to use mankind as the agency with which to bring about His purposes. We talked about how God gave man dominion over everything, that man was the centerpiece of everything God did, Even when humanity fell, God sent His Son in human form to redeem us. So we must not make the mistake of assuming that it is uh, special church programs or religious policies that will bring about evangelism. On the contrary, God chooses to use ordinary people like us to share the gospel. We talked about having a you come versus we go mentality. That is, somehow we seem to think that it's God's job to bring the lost to us. That once they wander in through our church doors, then we can give them the gospel. Or we even think that the lost will desperately come knocking on the doors of the church because they deeply lack meaning in their lives. No, there are plenty of happy pagans out there who don't realize they need God. That is why we must take the news to them instead of the other way around. And lastly, we talked about the necessity of urgent intervention. We said that if we were truly honest with ourselves, we will realize that we actually truly don't feel a sense of urgency about the lost. I shared some statistics that every minute over a 100 people die somewhere in the world. That means two persons enter eternity every second. And we really need to ask ourselves, which eternity are they headed to? Imagine if these people are our loved ones or that someone we know might belong to that statistic. It would spur us into action. It should provoke us toward urgent intervention. So that's a quick recap of some of the topics that we covered on this series over the last few weeks. Which brings us to today's topic, which is titled, Ill-Equipped for Evangelism. And I want to offer us two reasons why we are ill-equipped. Reason number one is communication barriers, and number two is being comfortable with our inadequacies. So let's start with communication barriers. The first communication barrier we face in evangelism is that we simply lack the courage to share the gospel. Now some of you might be thinking, wait a minute, are you saying I'm not brave enough to go talk to people about Jesus? Uh, yeah, that's actually what I'm saying. If we're honest with ourselves, we will realize pretty quickly that almost all of us feel insecure about going and striking up a conversation with a stranger. Especially if that conversation is about something important, no less the gospel. One of the things I want to offer you is the opportunity for us to be real with each other. Okay, Let's not over-spiritualize things. Let's take off our Christian masks and let's be real. Almost all of us don't have it within us to go talk to someone about their eternal destiny, at least most of the time. So why is that the case? Why do we have such reservations? Now, in reality, it's hard to nail down precisely why someone might feel that way because, you know, each person is different and their motivations might be different. But I think a general reason is because we're concerned about what someone might think of us. You know, I'm reminded of uh, Steve Jobs, the late founder and CEO of Apple, uh, who was not exactly known for his cheerful demeanor. In fact, he was known to be quite ruthless in his demands and expectations. And Johnny Ive, his um, design guru uh, for a long time, on several occasions, uh, you know, he, he stated that on several occasions, Steve would be very blunt in his assessment of something in front of the person responsible. And when Johnny would say that his comments hurt that person's feelings, Steve would tell him, Johnny, you're being so vain. You're more concerned about what that person may think about you rather than caring about whether what we have done is the best that we can do for this product. Now, that's an anecdote. And I'm not anywhere at all implying that we should be obnoxious or act like a jerk by being rude or blunt when we approach people. But if we fail to reach out to them because we are thinking about ourselves, that is a little vain, isn't it? Do we care about this person hearing the truth or do we care that they like us instead and not tell them the truth in order to be in their good books? We must have the courage to have meaningful conversations with people. Here's a second communication barrier. We lack clarity in the gospel. Believe it or not, there are several Christians that are not quite clear about what the gospel actually is. We know that it involves Jesus dying for our sins, but we don't articulate it as well as we should. I want to share a little story. Um, when we lived in California, there was a season where I was working for AT&T and I was uh, visiting businesses and this one time I remember I was, uh, I think I was on a lunch break or something like that. And I was standing outside uh, near downtown L.A. And I was approached by these two young girls who probably thought that I was a Hindu or a Buddhist or something like that. And uh, they they asked me if I would like to hear the gospel. Now, let me just back up a little bit. Um, downtown L.A., which is a pretty diverse part of the neighborhood, They saw me standing outside this building. Actually, this is probably an important piece to the context that I didn't mention earlier. I was standing in front of this uh, Hare Rama Hare Krishna uh, center, uh, center for thought or something like that. And um, it's basically this religious, this Hindu religious uh, group. um, And they have this center for thought. Uh, down near downtown LA and so I was standing outside of there and you know downtown LA brown guy like me The the girls naturally and understandably just assumed that maybe I was Hindu So they come up to me and they ask me. Would you like to hear the gospel? Well, obviously I didn't tell them that I was a Christian, right? I mean, where's the fun in that? So I, I, I told myself I thought in my head Well, yeah, let's just kind of play along right and I I asked them what is the gospel and man, you should have seen their eyes light up. Finally, someone agreed to let them explain. You know, and she was, uh, she she started saying, "The gospel is the story of Jesus coming and dying on the cross to save the world." So I asked, "Save the world from what?" And she was like, "Uh, to to save the world from trouble." And I asked, "What kind of trouble?" And she said, "Well, you know, different types of trouble like." problems, you know, like famine and pain and suffering and hunger, and and she was going on and on. Now, first of all, Jesus never came to save us from any of those things. Jesus came to save us from sin. And here's the thing, the word sin never came out of her mouth. And I kept going, so did he accomplish what he came for? And she said, yeah, yeah, he did. He defeated death and all these terrible things, and he died, and he was born again. She said Jesus was born again instead of being raised from the dead. Now, I think she meant to say that he was raised from the dead, but instead she said he was born again. So then I said, Okay, well, if he defeated those things, why are all those things still there? Pain, hunger, famine, all those things are still around. And the girls were, they kind of glanced at each other and they were like, "Um, you know, and then one of the girls said, look, Jesus can save your life if you will submit to him. So (laughs) she completely, you know, did not even respond to my question about why those things were still there. And at that point, I thought, well, okay. I think at this point, it's just going to be a little cruel to continue my act. And at the rate they were going, they were (laughs) more likely to probably lose their faith talking to me then uh, convert me in the right direction. So, here's the question. Do you think they were making a good gospel pitch to me? No, because they were not clear about the gospel. Are you clear about the gospel? Are you able to clearly articulate what the gospel means and represents? If somebody were to approach us on the streets and ask us, why is the gospel good news? are we able to give a clear and clarifying response to that crucial question? Ladies and gentlemen, not only do we need to have the courage to share the gospel, we should have the clarity to explain the gospel as well. Okay, so the first communication barrier is a lack of courage to share the gospel. The second one is the lack of clarity about the gospel. And the third point is the lack of confidence in the gospel. You can use the acronym CCC to help you remember that. Three communication barriers to evangelism are courage, clarity, and confidence. So let's talk about the lack of confidence in the gospel. When I say we lack confidence in the gospel, I don't mean that we don't believe the gospel. I mean that we sometimes act like we're not sure if the gospel will really help someone. I think sometimes we smuggle in these ideas. Right, That if a person needs to do X, Y, and Z before they are ready to hear the gospel, let me here share another story with you. Several years ago, I was at a meeting with some young adult leaders who were discussing this one kid who was supposedly involved in homosexual relationships. And I remember this one young woman saying, he really needs to hear the gospel so it will change his heart. To which this other guy who is a young adult leader in the church said, The gospel is not going to do anything until he stops his sexual sin first. Did you see what he said? He said that the gospel is not going to be effective unless this guy first stopped sinning. In other words, the implication of his statement was that in order for the gospel to be effective in this person's life, he first needed to do something so that the gospel would be effective. Is that putting the cart before the horse or what? If we could stop sinning of our own strength, why do we even need the gospel? See, I don't think that young adult leader realized what he was communicating to everyone in that room. He didn't have the confidence in the power of the gospel alone to change that kid's life. Ladies and gentlemen, do we truly believe in the power of God's redeeming work through his son Jesus? Hebrews 4.12 says the word of God is alive and active. Sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates and is able to divide soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. See, we first need to believe in the power of the gospel to change hearts. If we are to pitch it with conviction, anyone who has worked in sales knows this. If you're a salesperson, you first have to own the product You have to believe in the product yourself before you pitch it to someone else. Because if you pitch a product or a service that you truly believe in, it will show. But if you don't believe in it yourself, it will still show. Believe in the Word of God. Believe in the power of Christ's redeeming work on the cross. Believe in the power of the gospel to transform people's hearts and minds. Because if you don't believe that yourself why would you be motivated to share it with someone else? You see that? So, have the courage to share the gospel, show clarity when you share the gospel, and have confidence in the power of the gospel. And if you have those three, it will help eliminate the primary communication barriers that prevent you from talking about the gospel. I have a lot more to say about this, but let's uh, take a quick break. And as soon as we get back, I will share you... Uh, the remainder part of how sometimes we are ill-equipped for evangelism. We'll be right back. All right, friends, welcome back to the second half of our podcast for today. And I shared with you before the break uh, three particular reasons why uh, we are Uh, ill-equipped to share the gospel. We talked about how we don't sometimes have the courage to share the gospel. We talked about how we are not clear or we don't have clarity when we share the gospel. And we talked about how we don't have confidence in the power of the gospel. And now this brings us to our second and final point for today, being comfortable in our inadequacies. Let me warn you that this point may step on several of our toes, but that's okay. Because the purpose here is not to guilt or shame anyone into action, but to cause us to be introspective about ourselves. So here is the imperative question. As a Christian, are you striving to continually grow and develop? Or are you satisfied with where you are and just coasting? Because almost all of us have areas that we need to grow in. Some of us know what those areas are. A few of us may not know that we even need to grow in those areas. But listen to what Hebrews 5, to 13 says. It says, We have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food, for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. You see what this passage is saying. The author of Hebrews is addressing believers and saying, We want to give you more deeper and better things to learn, but you guys seem unwilling to try to understand. You seem con- content with where you're at. And by this time, you should be able to eat more advanced spiritual food, but you're still wanting spiritual milk. There are many Christians who are content with the spiritual milk that they have been drinking for years. And at a time when they should be far more spiritually mature, much better developed in their understanding and knowledge, they have not grown because they simply have no desire to grow. They're simply okay with coasting with everything they have known and have believed in without maybe even critically thinking through it. As Christians, we cannot be complacent about our spiritual growth and maturity. We must constantly be looking to get better and grow in our knowledge and understanding. Our Christian walk must also continue to grow and develop. We cannot be complacent with our faith. Again, keep in mind that the purpose of this exhortation is in the context of why Christians are not motivated to evangelize the lost world. And I think for a lot of people, that's because they don't think they're equipped enough to do that. So, what practical steps can we take to further our knowledge and wisdom to become better equipped Christians? Firstly, let's get better at studying the scriptures. Maybe there are some of you in here who read your Bible with concordances and commentaries or theology dictionaries. And if you study like that, good for you. And maybe there are others who you read your Bible, you know, you you may read your Bible as a duty or an obligation, but you're not really applying yourself to its study and meditation. For example, when you come across a word that doesn't make sense, stop and look it up. If you come across a passage that just seems bizarre, pause and research it a little bit. The worst thing you can do is come across something like that and just shrug your shoulders and move on. And that kind of in-depth study might look different for some of you. Some might be interested in doctrine, you know, like atonement or eschatology or justification. If you are, then look up some good books and articles on those topics. Some of you might be interested in sociocultural issues like abortion or same-sex marriage or end-of-life issues. Then read more on those topics and cross-reference the writings of Christian authors on those subjects. See the point is applying yourself diligently to growing and developing in different areas broadly will definitely equip you to become a more solid, knowledgeable, and better equipped Christian. Read broadly. I, I think this is something I, I, uh, you know, I've I've noticed um, a lot of my well-intentioned, you know, Christian friends or. Uh, you know, even people who I consider very passionate about theology make this mistake a lot. I think what they do is they they read a lot of Christian books. And that's good. There's nothing wrong with that, okay? Um, but they don't read other areas. They don't read about the culture. They don't read about business. They don't read about politics. They don't read about even the entertainment industry or the the arts or something like that. And I think that is very important to do, especially if you want your Christian faith to be relevant in the times that we live in today. I think a lot of Christians I know just don't read enough or they don't read broadly. I remember speaking to this one person several years ago and, you know, she was quite proud of herself. She said, I only read the Bible. I don't need to read anything else. Okay, that's good. Reading only the Bible is still better than not reading anything at all. But my point is when you do that, you can become out of touch with what is happening in the world around you. And then you become unable to examine world affairs from a Christian perspective. If you're not aware of what is happening around you in culture and society, you will not know how to apply your Christian faith and values to it. Does that make sense? In the book of Acts, 1 Corinthians and Titus, the apostle Paul quotes pagan poets and philosophers, which tells you what? Paul wasn't just reading the Torah. He was reading lots of mystical, pagan, and even probably irreligious material. He was at least aware of it. And when the opportunity to evangelize presented itself, he was able to lean on his extra-biblical knowledge to relevantly appeal to the audience he was talking to. You know, this may sound sacrilegious to you know to say on a Christian podcast, but don't just read Christian books. Read broadly. Read history, economics, sociology, politics, culture. The options are endless. Of course, stay away from things that are evil or might tempt you or lead you astray. But read broadly so that you are in touch with everything that is happening in the world around you. And then... Don't stop there. Once you've read it, apply what you read to Christianity and compare it. See where those things are compatible or incompatible. Doing those kinds of things seem very simple, but I I tell you what, they go a long ways in broadening your perspectives on reality, but also ultimately on Christianity. You know, my wife and I uh, like to do this one thing on movie night. Of course, we enjoy watching a movie, but for us, the best part is after we finish watching it. We sit and discuss the themes that we noticed in it, the worldviews, any underlying philosophies, and we analyze the dialogues or those themes from a Christian perspective. There have been times when those discussions have sometimes gone about as long as the movie itself. So, what is my point in all of this? The point is that as Christians, we must strive to continually grow and develop in wisdom and knowledge and not be content or coast in our current state. One thing I mentioned in the previous episode was I asked us to make a list of strengths, even if it's just one or two. I said, it's important for us to examine what our strengths are and then write it down. I asked you to think about how you would apply that strength toward reaching out to someone. And in this episode, I wanna encourage you to do the opposite. So previously, you wrote down what your strengths were. This time, I want you to write down what you're not good at. What are your weaknesses? Write down a weakness, write down a liability and ask yourself, how is that weakness limiting me or hindering me as a Christian? And how can I improve in that area? You see, God has called me into the field of Christian apologetics. I know that he has put me in this world for the defense of the gospel. As an apologist, I'm a person who's trained to give a defense of the gospel and to make a case for its integrity against all kinds of skeptical attacks on it. And I can tell you one thing with absolute confidence. In the 17 years that I've been practicing apologetics, there is not a single day where I don't think about how I can improve in a specific area of my craft. When you care and are passionate about something, you will be driven to grow and develop in that area and become the best you can be in that area. If you are here today and feel like you don't have that passion for evangelism, ask God to give you that burden. Ask Him to give you that passion. Ask Him to stir you, to make you uncomfortable with yourself, so that you're inspired to grow and develop and better equip yourself in the field of evangelism. As Christians, we cannot be comfortable in our inadequacies. The Lord says in Hosea 4.6, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And that is precisely what the enemy wants for us as well. To keep us snug and comfortable in the little that we know. Precisely so that we will be unprepared for the task of taking the truth of the gospel to the world. Identify your weakness. Ask yourself how that hinders you from the gospel. And make a concerted effort to grow and develop spiritually into a mature Christian who is prepared to evangelize to a lost world. Well, that'll do it for this week, folks. Definitely make sure to stay tuned for the next episode in this series. If you're interested in getting more information on what I do or additional resources, please visit Reasonabletruth.org. That is Reasonabletruth.org. If you found this podcast helpful, Please recommend it to your friends and family and encourage them to subscribe to it so they can stay up to date on all our latest content as well. Thank you once again for joining us for this episode of Ratio Vero and until next time, God bless and have a great week.